pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 301. Today I'm going to chat with Jim Fuller from Fuller Phoenix, discuss the latest news on the CRA on braces and highlight a new pistol from EAA. I'm your host, Ava Flannell. Jim, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Ava. How are you? It's good to be here. You know, so I'm glad you asked. I'm actually kind of in pain right now. Like I pulled something last night and I was thinking this morning, I'm like, you know, and I'm always saying this because I feel like you could agree with me. But I was thinking, I'm like, you know, my favorite childhood memory is like when my body didn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I totally can relate to that at my age. <laughs> so yesterday, and we were just talking about this before the show started. So yesterday, sadly, was my mom's 11th year anniversary since she's been gone. And so I just took the day off and like kind of just did whatever. And I figured I'd work out in the morning because I usually always, you know, I usually like feel a lot better afterwards. And I went to the park that's in my neighborhood. And on Wednesday evenings, they play like music in the park right next to this waterfall. And I was like, just sitting on the grass and I went to get up and I like literally pulled something and I'll be 37 in July. So I'm definitely not old enough to like, cool, when I get up, I pull something. (laughs) But it's like everything. I can't even like bend down to pick something up. I went to go feed my dog this morning. That was, you know, a challenge. And uh, I'm just like, cool, how long is this going to last? Well, think of it like this. It only gets worse the older you get. I know. (laughs) I know. I woke up in the middle of the night and I took a Tylenol hoping that would help and it didn't. But yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. 800 milligram Tylenol. I eat them like candy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, yeah, maybe I just need to up my game. There we go. All right. There you go. Already the show hasn't even started and we're getting some wise words of wisdom from the <laughs> Jim Fuller. Before we start, I'm going to talk about Smith & Wesson real quick. If you guys are looking for a good EDC that's a bit easier to operate, check out the Equalizer. It has an easy to rack slide, not quite as easy as the Easy, but less than the standard slide. And unlike the Shield Easy, it has Shield Plus style mags, comes with a 10, 13, and a 15 round mag, but it doesn't have like little tabs like the Easy mags do. Instead, it comes with a Maglula speed loader, which I think it's one of my favorite speed loaders. And once you get that down, I mean, you can load the mag within a few seconds. In other words, the equalizer is a mix between the Shield Plus and the Shield Easy. The slide comes optic ready and has nice big serrations for a good grip to rack it. Actually, at first I was like, why are these like these big serrations? But I've actually grown to really like it and appreciate it. And then it has an internal hammer like the Easy, so it does have that grip safety. And then like most Smith & Wesson pistols, you can get it with or without the active safety on the side. I always opt to not get it just because, you know, I'm not a big fan of active safeties in general. MSRP on the Equalizer is $599. If you want to check out more about the Equalizer, head on over to smith-wesson.com. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry.
Jim, I'm really excited to finally get you on the show. I contacted you quite a while ago. I want to say it was probably like two years ago to ask if you'd come on the show. And I don't think you saw my message. And then you ended up following me on Instagram like a while back and I was all excited. And then I recently posted a picture that I took with you years ago at SHOT Show. And then I think you looked at your messages and you were like, oh, you asked me to be on your show years ago. <laughs> you know, I'm glad to finally have you on the show. But I, I remember... So just, just, I do get a lot of messages and a lot of times they just get buried and I just don't see them all. So I apologize for that. Oh, no, I absolutely get it. I get tons of messages as well, mostly from guys, you know, that are like hungry men, which I would assume you probably get the same, you know, no big deal. <laughs> Um, but I do remember that time that I saw you at SHOT Show, the first time that I ever met you. And I was with a friend and he pointed you out and he was like, man, that is like the AK guy. Like he makes awesome AKs. And I got a picture with you. But before we get into everything that you've done for my listeners who aren't familiar with who you are, what is it that you do in the industry now? Well, about three years ago, I moved down to Arizona to partner with a good friend of mine down here on my new venture for Phoenix, which is a uh, last couple of years. We've just been doing basic high-end kit builds, you know, Russian, Bulgarian parts kits, things like that. And while we're working and developing a new weapon system that we're hoping to release before the end of the year, I've been trying to get this gun out for about a year now, a little bit more than a year, but you know, we do, when we do something like this, we test things extremely heavy. I mean, I don't use my customers as test dummies. I like to know the stuff works before it goes out. So, you know, we'll put 10 to 15, 20,000 rounds on a gun on a part just to make sure it works. And just when you think you've got it, it's already there at about, at about oh, say, you know, 10,000 10, rounds and one, it breaks. And then you got to start over. So we've been through a lot of that over the last year and a half, but I think we're just about to the point now where we've worked out all the bugs and this thing's going to be ready for the general public quite soon. Wow. That's awesome. Backing up a bit, you actually, you have a very interesting career. From my understanding at first, you were an electrician, then a rock guitarist, which I could totally see by the way, like you have that rock vibe to you. And then <laughs> well, you transitioned into a case. So tell me how that all led from one to the other. Well, actually I was a musician before I was an electrician. Oh, um, okay. I, uh, you know, I just, I was a person who was very enthralled by music. I grew up listening to a lot of country and Western. That was what was played in my house most of the time. And I had a, I had a liking for that. But when I heard the first Led Zeppelin album, mm -hmm. that changed my whole world. And I sat in my mom's basement with a phonograph and that album for probably a year or two, trying to figure out, teach myself how to play the songs on that album. Wow. And it just kind of went on from there. By the time I was 18, we were playing in a band that was good enough to go out and start making money here and there. We were playing a lot of military bases. We, you know, we were in San Diego, so we used to get a lot of gigs at the military bases down there. It was a didn't pay much, but it was a it was an audience and you know, it allowed you to improve your craft. And that went on for, you know, probably about 10, 12 years. And then uh, somewhere during that process, I met my wife and started having children. And then that changes things a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and uh, being a in the music thing taught me a lot about electrical stuff because I uh, had to fix a lot of my own stuff, lighting system, sound system, things like that. So I kind of had a background in it, had some friends that knew how to do it. I got hooked up with some people that got me skilled and I eventually became a working electrician. And I did that up until I retired from that in 2007. Uh, the last job I did was um, 
I was the field project manager on Steve Wynn's Encore in Las Vegas. And uh, that was a really nice way to finish my electrical career. And then after that was when I got started Rifle Dynamics. And when did you develop like this love for AKs? Um, that started probably in the early 80s when I was first exposed to it and realized what an incredible, incredibly durable and reliable gun that it actually is. I mean, more so than most any other thing out there, which is why it's the most prevalent gun throughout the world. Not so much here. I mean, you know, we... You know, we're a we're an AR-15 country here, originated here, and it will always be our main weapon. But, you know, throughout the rest of the world, the AK is the dominant weapon everywhere, particularly in the battlefield. Mm -hmm. What made you start Rifle Dynamics? Like, what were you were you thinking? OK, here's this platform and I could probably do it better or create parts that would enhance it or tell me about that journey. Well, it, it was it was that in the. uh Early 2000s, we started seeing parts kits coming in, AK parts kits. And, like, you know, it's like, this looks like fun. I'd been building other guns and I'd had AKs for 20 years at that point. You know, I got them in the early 80s and I always enjoyed them, um, worked on them a lot myself because in those days, nobody would work on them. So you kind of had to learn how to do it yourself. And then when the, uh, in the early 2000s, when the parts kit started showing up, I started looking at that going, wow, this is kind of cool. I'm going to build these things. And there wasn't a whole lot of stuff. You could get receivers. But there really wasn't a whole lot of other stuff available for the AK back then. So I seen it as a place where, well, you know, if this thing took off and this thing got more popular, there's a lot of there's a lot of room here to excel and do things with it. So, you know, and also at the time, too, I was teaching for Suarez International and uh, we were working with a lot of contractors in the early 2000s. You know, the 2003-04, the heyday of Blackwater and all that stuff going on over in the over in the sandbox. And a lot of those guys were friends of mine. And they were experiencing the AK for the first time when they went over there. And uh, I kind of developed a little bit of a reputation among those people because they knew I could build them. And when they come back with a pocket full of money, they were making big bucks back then. They said, hey, Jim, build me a couple of these things. I like these guns. I want something good. So that kind of is what really kicked it off. I mean, that was uh, the bulk of my clientele in those days. And we kind of got the reputation for what we did because of that. Hmm. And, uh, you know, just eventually, you know, kind of, kind of mushrooms from there and keeps going, you know? Yeah. Tell me about the parts kits, because now it seems like it's something that's dying off. Like it's not as available as it was. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, not at all. You know, in the early days, parts were cheap and plentiful. You know, I can remember when I thought $325 for a crank parts kit was expensive. I paid it because I wanted one, mm -hmm. but now they're going for 3000 plus. You wow. Know? If you can find one. Yeah. And that's the problem. It became very popular. The industry grew up around it. And uh, quite a bit. I mean, the industry just exploded over the last, particularly the last five years. You know, the, and I mean, like I never expected it would. I always wanted it to grow. And we did a lot of things in the early days to do that, you know, to drum up popularity and draw people into this, into this, the whole system. And it worked. It really did. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, the evidence is out there. Those that have been around for a while kind of know. But it's interesting because, like yesterday, a guy came through the shop, real nice dude, uh, probably in his 30s, I would guess. And uh, he goes, oh, yeah, oh, yo, Jim Fuller. Yeah, I wanted to meet you. I heard you know things about the AK. I said, yeah, you know, a little bit. He goes, yeah, you know, you, you know, these guys over here, you know, these guys over here, you know, these guys. I go, yeah, yeah. And he thinks he's enlightening me to people that I should know when these are people that I actually taught how to do it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's funny. So it's, it, yeah, it is. And then, uh, <laughs> it, well, I don't know. 
<laughs> but it's just it's just kind of a weird, you know, we've come quite full. We've come quite a long ways in this industry because I've been playing this game for getting close to 20 years now. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's just amazing to see how much it's changed. And uh, particularly the Internet has had a lot of effect on that because, you know, in my days starting out with this, there was no there was no Instagram. There was no Facebook. There was no YouTube. You know, you didn't have videos to look up to figure out how to do this shit. You had to have ingenuity and, and knowledge of your own to be able to do it. Mm. And the AK is is a very weird animal. It's 40s technologies to begin with. It is not modular. And if you don't really know what you're doing with this gun, you probably ought to leave it alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that makes I mean, as far sense. as trying to build it or work on it. It's yeah. It's very you know, it's it's not a Western design at all. And most people, most Western gunsmiths really don't truly understand how and why the gun works. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you tell them that and they get a little offended, but then you prove it to them and they go, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I've heard uh, some people said that, you know, I mean, you are like considered the preeminent AK gunsmith in the U.S., and so many people have said that, like, you must have had a blood transfusion from Mikhail. Is it Mikhail Kalashnikov? Yeah, yeah. Kyle, Mikhail, tomato, tomato. Yeah. And, um, like, I would agree. I mean, that's literally how you were introduced to me. Like, you were just, like, the AK guy. Like, nobody else was, I mean, what it seemed like is nobody else was really touching AKs and you were all about it. And I would say only until, like, maybe the last five years do I feel like AKs have become a little bit more mainstream. But even then, I mean, still people are like, you know, there's still some people out there that just don't like AKs. Yeah, and they always will be. But, but it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's picked up a lot more popularity in the last couple of years, but I would say really it's just in the last couple of years. Would you agree or, or disagree? Oh, no, definitely. And, and and I think one of the things that really kind of grew it was when companies like PSA and KUSA, Riley Defense, when these companies came online and started producing a mid-tier AK that was uh, more accessible to the general public. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could man, you know, we, we build custom guns. It's hard for us to build, you know, to build 10 guns a week. Whereas these guys produce maybe a hundred to 300 a week. Mm-hmm. Now, is it the same tier of quality? No, it's not, but they don't try to be, and they don't charge money for it like it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but I think that had a lot to do with really growing the popularity because it became accessible, but more accessible to people. They'd walk into a gun store. They'd see, they'd have a lot of different choices other than just a Wasser, which was about all you could find a Wasser or a Zestava product, which, you know, I don't have a problem with a Wasser. It's a, actually a good con block gun. They're just a little rough, and but they make a good gun. Mm-hmm. Some of the other stuff, though, but, but you know, this is the kind of thing that has expanded the market, and we have a tiered market now. There's high-end guns that not everybody needs to have. There's mid-tier guns that work for just about everybody, and then there's stuff that's meant to just separate you from your money. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to put names on what, but every, but most people know what's out there. You can read it and figure it out, you know? Yeah. What is it about the AK that you love so much? Um. Just the reliability factor of it, um, kind of the mystique of it. I've always been kind of a revolutionary thinking person anyhow. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, the the AK is synonymous with revolution, you know. What is that joke I've seen? I've seen it posted on the internet lately. Uh, the AK is the greatest thing that ever came out of communism. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I agree. Uh, I don't know. I just, Like I said, I just find it a very, very cool gun to work with. I always have. I've always loved the gun. And I always will. Yeah. Uh, just you know that's me you know nice i'm gonna take a quick break talk about mantis 
Mm-hmm. Mantis is laser. Yeah. So what experience do you have with Mantis? Um, there's a couple of guys in the shop here that have them. They bring them in and we play with them around the shop here. And it's kind of cool. It's a very, I wish we would have had stuff like that when we were younger. Right. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's it's actually like, it's just, it's a very like smart device that it's able to pick up all this stuff. And I try to wrap my brain around it where I'm like, well, how does this little device know as I'm pulling the trigger, whether I'm, you know, maybe thumbing it, I'm slapping the trigger, I'm anticipating the shot. Like it's, it's pretty incredible that it's able to pick up on stuff that I didn't even realize that I was doing. And I think anybody can benefit from it, whether you're a beginner or you're, you know, an advanced shooter. And I mean, you'll talk to all of the best, you know, people who are professional shooters and this is what they're doing. Like during the winter, especially when they can't go outside and shoot or if they're trying to save money on ammo, it's all about that dry fire practice. So if you guys want to take your dry fire to the next level, definitely head on over to mantisx.com. They have all kinds of different devices that will suit your needs. And in my opinion, it's totally worth it. You know, you'll basically get your money back if you just didn't go to the range like maybe three times. And then after that, it pays for itself. So, again, MantisX.com. Let's talk about rifle dynamics. You started that off in your garage, correct? Yep. Yep. And, okay, so at what point, so, you know, you... You finished becoming an electrician and then you're like, hey, you know what? I think I can make a business out of working on AKs and stuff. So tell me about rifle dynamics. Well, I had been, you know, when I was still working as an electrician, I had been taking in work. And uh, uh, it just kind of dawned on me one day that, you know, at that point, you know, my kids, our kids had all moved out. They were grown and gone. We have three sons and they're grown and gone at that point. And we were looking at different things we wanted to do in that stage of our lives. You know, I mean it's just kind of the natural progression of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was something I always wanted to do was some work in the gun industry. And I had a lot of ability to do this stuff. I had a lot of work already. So we just went ahead and made it official. And uh, I mean, for, I think for probably about four years, I worked out of another guy's license in Vegas there and uh, was building stuff for people out of that license there and uh, on his shop. And then uh, I eventually opened my own license, which was rifle dynamics in 2007. And, uh, you know, and then it went from where it went from there. I sold it in 2017. Stayed there for two years on a consulting contract and then moved on to what I'm doing now. And before you did that, you decided to take a few years off and do some soul searching, correct? Yeah. You know, the last three years, I didn't really take take a lot of time off. I was maybe from the time I left um, RD until the time I actually started Fuller Phoenix was probably only about three or four months mm. of just uh, kind of chill- chilling and just not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was really trying to uh, decide, do you want to retire? Is it really something you want to do? And then I begin to think about all the seniors in my life who retired with nothing to do yeah. and they died very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I don't want to be that. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know that I'll ever really retire because I, I need to stay busy. If I don't have something to do with my hands, I mean, if I'm not working on a gun, I'm at home working on a model or I'm playing guitar, or I'm always doing something with my hands because it's just, it's just me. It's just how I've always been. And, uh, you know, yeah, I think there's definitely a lot to be said about that. My dad, he's 77 years old. And when I tell people his age, I mean, they're, they don't believe it. Cause he still does more than like most 50 year olds. 
And I do think that, you know, the minute that you do retire and you don't have a purpose or even the other day, I talked to a 30 something year old who's already retired, like he invested really well, he retired. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great in theory, but like I would still, even if I had everything set and I, money wasn't an issue, I would still have to do something. I would still have to feel like I had a purpose or, and I think I also, I feed a lot off of my accomplishments and my goals, like hitting those goals and stuff that I, if I didn't have any of that, I don't think it would keep me going that much longer. Like I would just I feel like I didn't really have that purpose. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. That's well said. I'm curious though, did you do, is it safe to say that you did some soul searching? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, I wanted to think about how we did things at RD and mistakes that I made and how I could view things better. Hmm. So there was a lot of that. There was also things about the successes that we had, things that what I got out of it, what I didn't. Some of the successes I didn't necessarily care for, mm-hmm. shall we say. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of hard to explain. It's it's, uh, it's kind of deep, but um, uh, you know, it's, it's a mixed bag of things because you know we did a lot of stuff during that time period. A lot. Uh, you know, we did a lot of stuff that people said you could never do, which I'm always I've always been pretty proud of that. And uh, one and like you like going back to what we were talking about earlier, one of the things is just building up this industry. You know, we played a big part of doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, everybody in their every AK company that popped up for you know the last five years I owned that company was just either trying to do what we were doing or something very similar because it was just <laughs> it, it was weird to watch. It really was, and that's another part of soul searching. A lot of the new stuff that I got coming out, I have patents on, so I'm not getting ripped off again anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's smart. Going back to soul searching, I'm kind of curious as to, you know, you think nowadays like soul searching and maybe I'm overstepping and I'm not assuming that you did this or anything like that, but I've been reading a lot up about, and this is kind of off topic, but about like psychedelics, mushrooms, LSD, stuff like that to help people like soul search or to Mm -hmm. help with like depression and stuff like that. Any experience with that? that's a pretty realistic thing. You know, we, we work around a lot of veterans here. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my shop is inside um, Haley Strategic's um, building. Mm-hmm. So, and there's uh, almost everybody here is a, that works here is a veteran. And uh, we get a lot of guys that come through here. And we, we there's a lot of guys that talk about that. I know that, you know, and, and I, I'm not going to say who, why, what, yeah. how, you know, yeah. weird stuff. But there's a lot of guys that are using mushrooms and in small, you know, micro dosage and things like that because it does help them. Mm-hmm. They do to be beneficial. I myself, I don't really have a lot of interest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, when I was a teenager, that stuff was like, oh my God, LSD. You know, I mean, that's different than mushrooms, but I think yeah. I did mushrooms when I was a teenager once and I didn't particularly care for what it did. Yeah. So uh, it's that's something that's not for me, but if it helps somebody else, all the power to them, because I've seen far too many people go down a road of depression and end up wasting the good person that they were mm-hmm. because they couldn't find the, uh, they couldn't find a way to cope with things. And if that helps them, yeah. then more power to them. I got, yeah. I got no problem with that. Yeah. You know? I just bring it up because it is something that I've recently been reading about and it's just very interesting. And so again, I was like, this is going to be kind of far fetched, but I figured maybe I'd address it. I remember, I mean, I'll be totally honest. I did mushrooms when I was in high school and I don't really remember too much about it, but I just remember, I mean, it was kind of funny, but, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't really have interest, you know, it's like, and it's also one of those 
things where I'm like, eh, as I get older, you know, like anything that I'm like, oh yeah, like let's, you know, I mean, also I will say like, this is totally off on a tangent, like mushrooms, LSD, all that stuff aside. But like nowadays, a lot of like the street drugs, I wouldn't even touch it with a 10 foot pole. I mean, the stuff that, you know, it's just like they're, I mean, the stuff, what is it that they're putting in a fentanyl? That's like yeah. killing people and stuff. And I'm like, why would anybody even risk that? Yeah, off topic. Let's talk about some of the accomplishments at Rifle Dynamics that a lot of people are like, you can't do it. And you were making happen. Uh, well, probably one of the biggest things was suppressing an AK. Um, it's a very hard gun to put a can on. And there were a lot of people that were, at the time, influencer types. Oh, you know, you can't suppress an AK. It was never meant to do it. So don't even try it. It's like, well, that's the first thing. If you want me to do something, tell me that because I'll find a way to do it. Yeah. Uh, and we did. And, uh, you know, a good example of that, if you if you go back and you search um, the Silencer Co. Summit series, we were doing a, it was a project we did with Silencer Co. back then. I believe it was around 09, 010, maybe 11, somewhere around there. But we did a series of uh, three different series of guns with them and suppressor combinations. And it was the result of probably about six months of us teaching each other how suppressors work, how the AK works, and how we can help each other solve this problem. And it worked out pretty well. We learned a lot about how we could change the gun and make it more suppressor friendly. And they learned a lot about how the AK needed to work and needed to be done. So we had a pretty successful run with that. And it taught us a lot about how to do that. It eventually culminated into our first adjustable gas block um, and a lot of other things that we did. We built a lot of different things to do that over the years. And then eventually things like, I remember the first thing I think that came out that addressed that problem was a KNS came out with their gas piston, which was a, a really forward thinking thing that worked well for overgas guns. But it, again, it kind of opened the door because people didn't think you could do anything about it. And somebody said, you can't. And it's like, okay, let's see if we really can. And we did. Mm-hmm. And now suppressors on AKs are pretty common. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Uh, but then again, you know, the, the, the downside of that is I see a lot of things like I've seen um, uh, suppressor mounts that are 24 millimeter and 14 one left hand. I'm going to tell you right now, that's probably not a really good idea because most AK barrels that are threaded 14 one left hand, there's a really good chance that they're not very concentric. And if you're not, if you don't have a rod to check that with, you might end up damaging your suppressor or ruining it. Hmm. So Again, it's 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 the expansion of this industry and people just trying to jump into it and make money how they can. Oh yeah, the AK is always threading fourteen ones. Let's make that suppressor that suppressor connector made it that QD suppressor device made threaded in fourteen one or twenty four millimeter. Well, that can be a problem, and we have seen it happen. So we don't do that. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's just kind of that's just kind of the downside of the expansion with people just trying to collect on the on the thing however they can without actually putting out a purposeful product. Hmm. Very interesting. I'm going to take another quick break. Uh, Before I do, I just want to address the elephant in the room. If anybody hears any noises in the background, it's because I'm getting my landscaping fixed. And I've talked about this on the last couple of shows because it's just been a nightmare uh, the last couple of weeks. And Jim, I'll fill you in. I bought a brand new house in September. I don't think the builders compacted the soil well enough around it. And then I had my landscaping done right away because I didn't want to look at freaking dirt all through the winter. I didn't have the plants done, just grass and stuff. And uh, we've gotten so much rain in Colorado that my soil around my house sank anywhere from four to 10 inches. 
Oh my goodness. And we're talking about window wells coming off the hinges, the drains, the pipes disconnecting where it's like hanging in the ground, like seven inches out. It's been a disaster. And really, I mean, the landscaping is the least of my worries. I'm just more worried about my foundation. Like if this is going to affect my foundation and, uh, It's not just my house. It's like the entire street. So at first they're trying to blame the landscapers, but I'm like, yeah, but when it's happening to the entire street, we all use different landscapers. Who's the common denominator? Well, what's, what city are you in, if I may ask? In Colorado Springs. Okay. Because my, my son lives in um, outside of Denver in Lakewood, and oh. he had the same issue with his house. Really? And, uh, yeah, he just went through that. And he had to, um, and it was uh, an issue with his foundation slipping and sinking. Um, due to compaction issues or shifting of shifting of something. I forget what he said it was. He's an engineer, so he talks like that and it gets me confused. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they ended up fixing the problem by injecting um, uh, that hardcore foam, foam underneath it. They tunnel out, they tunnel up underneath the thing and they inject foam in there to raise the building back up and secure it again. Oh, and, interesting. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a, there there is a way to deal with that stuff, and it really wasn't all that expensive. I think he ended up the whole thing. He had some really serious problems. He was worried about. It. I think the whole thing ended up being like under ten thousand dollars to get it done, and it stopped all the problems. So, well, at this point, I think the builder would cover everything because everything is under warranty for a year. But that's why I'm like, well, if this yeah. is going to happen, happen within the year. But um, I, that's interesting. I maybe we'll talk off air more about this because I'm just like, it doesn't make sense. I mean, if all this is happening around my house, how is it not affecting the foundation? And I think it's just a matter of time before it starts to show up and yeah. nothing like buying a brand new house, but I'm telling you, they do not make them like they used to. I mean, they're just building these out and I live in a quote unquote, like luxury home. And I feel like they just, you know, they skip steps. They took the cheapest way. And yet, you know, I mean, it doesn't, the price of the house doesn't reflect on that because it was super expensive. But yeah, it's been a nightmare. But anyways, I have a bunch of landscapers outside my window right now. and <laughs> I keep hearing them. And uh, I think when this is all said and done, I'm going to be fluent in Spanish. So there's that. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, I guess that's a benefit. Sure. Yeah, they're, they're really nice yeah. guys, actually. I couldn't have asked for better landscapers. It's a really good that's company. But all right. Cool. So Gators. Gators constantly improving their products and they just added a new mirrored option for the optimized polarized lenses. The new OPZs, the lenses are optimized for the light wavelength that gets to your eye, both for glare and UV protection, but they also make the colors a lot more vibrant. Unlike a lot of polarized lenses, they're designed to let you clearly see digital displays. You can get them in the mirrored sunburst, green mirror, blue, gold, and silver, they're also easy to custom fit to your face, so you can move like the nose pieces, adjust the frames because it's aluminum. Even at first when I tried it on, I was like, no, this feels weird on my face. And then I like pushed the nose pieces out a little bit and it sit on my face a lot better. Now I'm like, man, these fit like a glove. I'm convinced that they will fit like anyone's face really well, even if you have a big head, a small head, you know, all of that. Looking at the configuration options, it looks like that you can get most of them in just about any of the frame styles. So like the Delta, Magnum, Raptor, Stark, Spectre, Marauder, and the Skyhook. 
you want to check these out, just head on over to gators.com forward slash Ava. If you use that URL, you're going to get 15% off. And, and I'm telling you right now, I think this is a purchase that you guys are definitely not going to regret making because it's really good quality eyeglasses. It's rated for some of the highest rated, you know, ballistic lenses out there. And it just makes everything just look so much better through those lenses. So definitely check it out. Jim, tell me about Fuller Phoenix. So you take a few months off, you know, you sell Rifle Dynamics, you work with them for two years, and then you decide like, you know what, I'm going to start Fuller Phoenix. What made you decide to do that? Were you just like, all right, maybe I don't want to retire. If I retire, it's going to age me. We're going to get back into it. I need to do something with my hands. I mean, is that kind of how it went or was it something different? Um, no, nah, it, it pretty much was. I mean, you know, I remember uh, Travis came up to visit one night and we were hanging out at the house talking and he says, so what are you doing? Are, are you done? Are you retired? What, what are you doing? Have, do you have any ideas? Do you want to do anything else? And we kind of, it kind of, that sparked a conversation and it went from there and then we ended up, uh, okay, I think we can do it. And, and really because, you know, one of the things, one of the reasons why I wanted to get away from RD was because I just don't like business. I really don't like dealing with the day-to-day administrative bullshit that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I like building things. I like creating things, but I don't like the business part. Yeah. And this situation I'm in now is a perfect situation. I was able to come in. I have accountants. We have marketing teams. We have everything that we need in place. And all I got to do is design and build guns that people want. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a win-win situation. It was, there, was no, there was no reason not to do it. So it meant relocating too, because I was really kind of disgusted with the politics in Nevada. At that time, Nevada had really gone gone left wing hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, I, don't, I haven't really followed the politics there so, so much since I left, but I don't really know what's come of it. But I think they en- ended up getting rid of that governor that got elected just, just as I was leaving there. And he was horrible, man. God, that guy was terrible. But so I'm happy to be down here in the Phoenix Scottsdale area right now. Um, this is where I probably spend the rest of my life because I absolutely love it here. Nice. So what are some things that Fuller Phoenix is doing to kind of set yourself apart from all the other companies? Like I noticed you have some new concepts in gas mitigation, uh, new stocks, rail systems and all that good stuff that kind of takes, you know, like your AK upgrades to the next level. Well, yeah, we have. I mean, we basically, you know, the, the receiver, the center section of the AK is about 90% perfection. Uh, they got that right in 1960, and it's changed very little since then because it works. So we don't tend to mess with that too much. There's things that can be done to make it better, and we'll always do that. But everything around it could be made better. And we basically, we've done, a, I believe, a pretty fair job of turning this gun into a modular gun that is uh, more... You know, people are going to say, oh, they're just M4ing the AK. Well, no, we're not because we know what the difference is and we know what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And that's what you get from 20 or 30 years of working with this gun. You know, I didn't just start doing this yesterday. I kind of know a few things about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And we've applied that knowledge to this. You know, the gas system, for one, you know, we've got a new gas block. It's a completely different concept in controlling gas that's ever been done before. It hasn't been done with the AK and we're going to do it now. And again, we patented our, that gas block because I know somebody when they see it, it's going to go, oh, I'm going to do that. And then as soon as they do, we're going to hammer them fucking hard. Right. Sorry. <laughs> just just fair warning on that. If you think you think you're going to yeah. try that. 
Well, I'm sure it's incredibly frustrating. You come out with this, you know, something that like everyone's wanting to do and you perfect it and then somebody steals the design. I'm, I got to imagine it's going to be, you know, it has to be incredibly frustrating. So I don't blame you. You know, it is and it isn't, you know, because it's like we stole the gun from the Russians anyhow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So so it's not like it's mine or it's ours or anything like that. But but yeah, you know, when you put a lot of work into something, you spend a lot of money, you spend a lot of ammunition testing and making sure that it's going to work, put it out on the market and people love it. And somebody makes a shitty copy of it and and makes money off of that. It is aggravating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also flattery. Yeah. Because if it wasn't good, they wouldn't be copying it. Exactly, so, yeah. You know, it's it's kind of like the hater thing. If you don't have haters, you never stood for anything. Exactly, yeah. Tell me about your armors course. It takes place at Gunsight Academy, right? Yeah, yeah. We do a we do an armors course there once a year so far. We've done two of them so far in the last two years. And they, they do that. It's the first day of their um, AK rifle course that they did. They just started doing an AK rifle course there for the public, which was a new thing for Gunsight. They never really, they only did AKs for military and law enforcement prior to that, but they'd mm-hmm. never done it for the public. So when they decided they want to do them for the public, they reached out to me to be able to tag on an armorer's class at the beginning of it. And I was glad to do it. Cause I mean, Hey, you know, Gunsight, that's where everything started, mm-hmm. you know, firearms training, modern day firearms training. That is the method of it right there. Yeah, and, uh, it's, it was a real honor to be just to be asked to go out there and do it. <laughs> I mean, it was a, and it's, there's been two now, and there'll be another one next year as well. Um, and we continue to do it as long as I can still do it. Yeah. You know? Do you teach any other classes? Because I know I had a friend who took one of your classes where you build an AK. Yeah, we do private build classes here at the shop, and uh, I do one a month. And uh, we'll do one to five people. We used to do, you know, at RD, we used to do classes of like 20, 25 people. And I just won't do that anymore. I just don't believe you can teach people enough in two days with that mm-hmm. many people. I just, yeah. I always kind of felt bad about that because I felt that there was a lot of other things people should have been able to learn, but there just wasn't time to do it with that many people. Yeah. Well, so, especially if somebody has a little bit more knowledge than the others and then the other person's trying to just do basic AK stuff and, you know, it's kind yeah. of dragging the class behind. I get it. So, so right now we'll do, we'll do a one to five people. It's, it's pretty expensive to do it, but we'll do it. And if, if people are that serious about it, I mean, we're, we're training people to do, do it the best way they can possibly do it. And that's why they come here for us. And it's actually uh, been pretty successful. We're sold out this year and just about all of next year, I believe. I think there's like one or two spots left for next year. Hmm. So let's say I find somebody who's crazy enough to marry me and I want to have like my bachelorette party (laughs) and like, Hey, we're building AKs ladies. Could you, yeah, like, if that, somebody wants to do a private class, can you make that happen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's no problem at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we actually have, uh, not not a female bachelor party, but I have had male bachelor parties come and do a private bill class. Well, if we know? do a female one, can we, like, at least invite a stripper or two? Yeah, I'll look the other way. I don't okay. need that. But. All right, perfect. <laughs> you, guys, you guys have fun, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm just an old, crusty white guy. I don't you know. <laughs> I just want, like, a really hot stripper jumping out of a cake, you know, if it's, like, my last that's hoorah. Cool. I get it. <laughs> I get it. You know, I get it. I'm I'm surprised you're not married. You're an attractive woman who likes guns. That means half the males in the world would probably be after you. I know. (laughs) Excuse me for saying that, but I'm, you know, I'm an old man, white guy. That's how I think. Yeah, I know. It's, I don't know. I don't, I do. I, cause I've been doing a lot of like, when you said soul searching, I'm like, I feel like that's where I'm at right now. And since I'll be 37 in July, I'm like, okay, you know, Time's not really working on my side. Do I want to have kids? Do I want to get married? 
And I've been doing a lot of thinking and and it kind of sucks as I've always put my career ahead of everything else. And now I'm like, well, was that the smartest thing? Am I going to regret this when I'm 60 years old and lonely, you know, or am I just going to have a blast because I have all my girlfriends with me that also took the same route? But it's hard to say, but I do feel like lately I need to figure out my priorities and and figure out what I want because, you know, I don't think I'd have a kid beyond the age of 40. And if I meet somebody, I'd want to be with them for at least a year or two before I have a kid with them to make sure they're not crazy. So, sure. yeah, I don't know. That's just, that's just smart. You know, it's funny. I, I've, I've had the same conversation with, with my, with my sons, you know, my oldest son in particular is two years older than you. And we've had very similar conversations about a lot of that. He's, he's, he's had several, he's been married once, which was a disaster that ended really quick. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it, you know, to be honest, all the things that I hear about from young folks like you and my son, I'm really glad I'm not single. I don't know how I could handle it these days with what single folks have, how single folks have to live these days. I don't know. I mean, somebody asked me, how do you find somebody like your wife? And I said, well, I think you may have to go back in time to do that. I know. You know? It is. Yeah. yeah. And then also, unfortunately, a lot of men don't really like women that are successful. It's not one of those things. I mean, last night I had dinner with my girlfriends and we were talking about what men think a high value man is and then what men think a high value woman is. And a high value woman is not somebody who is successful. It's somebody who is like young, can make babies, doesn't have, you know, a high body count. Not saying I do. Um, but you know, like things that, and it, you're doing it kinda, okay if I can say that. Okay. <laughs> but it's like, but it's like somebody that, yeah, like as if they were going to go back to the sixties and meet a woman that, you know, just left her parents' house or something. And they just want like some just very like, I don't know, almost like a child. And I don't know. It's just, it's such a weird time. I do feel bad for like myself and people who, you know, and then there's lots of jerks out there that just aren't taking dating seriously. And there's lots of cheating going on. And it's just such a weird time. And it's like, eh, do I even want to be bothered? Or do I just want to buy 20 cats and just live my life? You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I, I wish I I wish I had the words for you. Yeah, because you know, like I said, even even my I mean, I've never dealt with I didn't have daughters. I only had sons, you know, and this is weird because we're talking about the same thing that I talk about with my sons. Mm-hmm. You're a girl, right? yeah. <laughs> so you're a woman. So, but yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I like I said, I feel for anybody that's single today trying that's thinking about a romance because I just don't know how you could be successful at it anymore. I mean, but, yeah. you know, I mean, I've, I've been with my wife for almost 40 years. Wow. You know, our next anniversary will be 40 in November. So. Wow. It's amazing. Do you guys have any big plans for the big four zero? Um, we're thinking about going to Fiji islands. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, just because I like things that are off the beaten path. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, well, that's- we did Hawaii. We did a Hawaii a few years ago for our anniversary. So I want to go someplace that's rural and not a tourist joint. Yeah. You know, Fiji. I like that. Yeah. You know? That's another thing is I I always think I'm like, okay, if I were to die tomorrow, what would I regret? And I think right now I would regret not traveling. I want to see more of the world. Like I've been all over the U.S. and thankfully my job sends me to all these places throughout the U.S. But I definitely want to go outside the country and just kind of explore and realize that there's so much more out there. Yeah, there's there's just a lot of things that I want to do and just not enough time, unfortunately. But at least... yeah. You know, at least it's one of those things where I am thinking about it. And I would say anybody who's listening, definitely think about it, regardless of your age. 
and think about, you know, if you were to die tomorrow, what would you regret? And maybe work on those things because I definitely don't want to die with any regrets. You know, I don't think I would have any, to be honest with you, because I have always chosen the path of what I thought was right for our lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife and I think quite a bit the same. Yeah. And there could have been maybe been better paths, but we did what we what was right for us. Mm -hmm. And and we're happy about it now. And we've stayed together for 40 years. So I don't think that we did things wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Which is huge. Uh, I mean, so many people nowadays get divorced. And that's one thing that I just feel like if I were to marry, it wouldn't be an option. But, you know, I mean, it's hard. How much can you take? Like if somebody's cheating on you, if somebody's lying constantly, you know, so I don't blame people for getting divorces, but I just hope that it's never because my parents, they were married for 32 years. And I was mm -hmm. one of the fortunate people to grow up with two loving parents that like never fought and they were married and all of my friends, you know, they all their parents were divorced. Yeah, no, I, I get it. It's funny. My, I remember my son um, came home. I think he was in the sixth grade at the time, my oldest son. And he came home to me one day and he says, you know what, Dad? I'm the only kid in my class that whose parents are still live in the same house. I know. <laughs> I go, wow, man, that sucks. He goes, yeah, it does. All my friends get to have two birthdays, two Christmases. And I said, no, dude, wait uh, a minute. Listen, <laughs> we got to talk. You know, and that proceeded to be like a good hour conversation about why this may not be what you think it is. You yeah. Know? And uh, yeah, and then whereas you know, and when I then when I thought think back to when I was in the sixth grade, I was a single parent family, and I was the only kid in my class that was. Mm -hmm. It was just the opposite. Yeah. So that's how we've evolved these days. Yeah. So it's, it, you know, so it's harder. I think it's harder to be a couple and be married and and have a relationship for a long period of time because of how society has evolved. Mm -hmm. And look at the things that are going on today. You know, I don't even want to go down that road. Oh, I know. But well, I think you and I, we see a lot of things eye to eye because I follow you on social media. And it's just like, I agree. I am yeah. so disgusted with the way that America is heading. And I like to think that I'm pretty open minded. I'm not like, you know, super closed minded where I'm just like, nope, it's my way or, you know, nothing at all. And I could usually relate to people who think differently. But it's like with things that are going on, I'm like, absolutely not. Like, how is this even happening and yeah, well, i mean it's just it's disgusting well you know it's, it's pitting people against each other i mean people will look at me and go oh you're just an old white racist nazi mm -hmm. well, I, I was raised a kennedy democrat mm -hmm. today i don't even know what that is i know but uh jfk was a very honorable man a lot of people want to talk shit about he cheated on his wife he did this he did that he had he was addicted to pills yeah he was he had a lot of injuries you know mm -hmm. but you know, he was a decent man. He was a decent, you know, and, and his ideals. I mean, he wanted to put us back on the gold standard. I think that's why he's dead. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. So, but, you know, the thing is, is I was never really raised to be a Republican. I, I ended up being a Republican through the through the 80s and into the early, not into the 90s until I seen that they were just, in my opinion, they're not a whole lot different than the Democrats. They, they're just like a lighter shade of Democrat, you know. Mm -hmm. And now Democrat ain't even Democrat anymore. Democrat is socialist, communist. I don't yeah. know. We could go down this road for a while, believe me. But uh, like I said, I, I think, you know, the, the old blue dog Democrats, do you remember that term? No. Yeah. Blue dog Democrats were Democrats from the South who are now Republicans hmm. because the Democrats left them. Interesting. Follow me? Yeah. Yeah. Search, search blue dog Democrats. They were, they were decent men. They were good heart, you know, but today they would say, oh, they were racist. They were this, they were that. Well, you know what? 
I've seen racism come and go full circle. I remember the 60s and the civil rights riots and all the things that went on then and how that changed things, how Martin Luther King and, the, and his teaching changed things. I saw that through the 70s, through the 80s, through the 90s. And then it all started going the opposite direction because they started dividing us. Mm-hmm. And excuse me, I'm, I could get on a soapbox right now and I don't want to take up your time like that. But it really aggravates me what people have done to try to divide to try to divide us as a society. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. I think we've never been this divided before ever. No. And it's, I, you know, I've always known that there's, there's people out there doing things that I didn't particularly care for or approve of, but it's not my business and it doesn't affect me. So I never said anything. Yeah. But now everything I do is offensive to everybody and they want to put an end to me. I know. So, yeah, well, be careful what you ask for. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Okay, so wrapping up, are there any future plans that you can share with us? Just the rifle release that we've got coming out. Nice. Um, that's that's the big thing we've been working for for the last two years. And I know I promised it's coming and it is coming. But like I said, I'm not going to release this until I absolutely know for sure that it is what I tell you it is. Mm-hmm. That's the way we've always done things in the past. And I'm not going to change that now. It's an old school mindset that... I was raised on and I just don't know how to do it any other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I admire that. And I, well, I, you know, I, I know that may sound Pollyannish to some people, but it's how I was raised. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's just it. You know, if anybody wants to follow you on social media or they want to arrange a class or maybe they, you know, if they want to buy the new AK that comes out from Fuller Phoenix, where can they find you? Well, our website is, uh, which is basically just a landing page right now because we're developing the website in the background right now. But um, if you go there, you can sign up for our newsletter, which is where we will, we will announce first the sale of these weapons. So you can go there and sign up there to be able to get notification on that. And if you have interest in build class, you can email builds at fullerphx.com. All right, perfect. All right, moving on with the rest of the show. BSF mm-hmm. Barrels. If you're looking to build a nice bolt gun, you should definitely check out BSF for your barrel. Their carbon fiber barrels are great for a bench gun or lightweight hunting rifle that doesn't compromise accuracy for weight savings. Basically, you can get that heavy barrel accuracy without the weight and your point of impact won't drift fast like a lightweight pencil barrel does because that carbon fiber tension sleeve gives you that heavy barrel rigidity. The barrels are tuned down to low profiles, but then the roll-wrapped carbon fiber sleeve loads it under tension to give you that heavy barrel rigidity without the weight. 95% of the carbon fiber doesn't touch the barrel. You can choose from 12 inches all the way up to 26 inches depending on the caliber, and you have choices on twist rates as well. You can get them with a standard 1.2-inch diameter shank for your gunsmith to fit your rifle. Or if you're building a Savage Bolt gun, they're 1.055-inch threaded to match that platform. If you're interested in these, head on over to bsfbarrels.com. Remember to use the code ELITE15, so that's E-L-I-T-E-1-5, all one word, and you're going to get 15% off your entire order. Today in Politics... Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. 
House passes Mm. CRA on braces. You've probably already heard this, but Congress passed the Congressional Review Act Joint Resolution of Disapproval on the ATF's Brace Rule on Tuesday. The measure was originally drafted by Rep. Andrew Clyde from Georgia, who said, This abuse of rulemaking authority requires either registration or a ban of pistol-braced firearms, dangerously violating our Constitution and irresponsibly disregarding Congress's sole legislative authority. Unquestionably, this is nothing more than a reckless attempt to advance President Biden's ultimate goal of an unarmed America. Leading up to this vote, Republican leadership threatened to not bring the CRA to a vote after conservative members argued against the reckless spending bill. Clyde said, I was told by GOP leadership that if I didn't vote for the rule, then it would be very difficult to bring my bill to the floor. It's outrageous that they played that game and approved the outrageous spending bill, but at least it got to a vote. On the day of the vote, Democrats tried filling discharge petitions trying to force floor votes on bills to extend deadlines on background checks, an assault weapons ban, and a universal background checks, even though they know that they don't have the votes. The CRA passed 219 to 210, with two Democrats voting for it and two traitorous Republicans voting against it. It's now headed to the Senate where the odds are tight, but moderate leading Democrats like Joe Manchin may make the difference because of the blatant disregard for the legislative process inherent in the brace rule. Ahead of the vote, the White House issued a statement that the president would veto the resolution if it makes it to his desk. Obviously, we know this is going to happen since he directed them to do it. But remember, the vote passing against it is important for the court cases going on right now. It's a clear case of unconstitutional overreach by the ATF of Biden's bidding, and this is additional validation of the case to the courts. No word yet on when or if the Senate will vote on it, but definitely make sure that you contact your senators and tell them to vote for the Joint Resolution of Disapproval on Braces HJ44. Jim, do you have anything to add to this? Uh, Well, other than the fact it's just going through the motions and nothing's ever going to come of it. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's just, like I said, we are talking before about the way things are right now. People don't care about the constitution anymore. And it's obvious. I mm-hmm. mean, look at Gavin Newsom trying to change it, trying to add <sighs> the 20th amendment because he knows everything he's done is against the constitution. Well, they don't care. They're trying to trash the constitution. Yeah. And that's what we got to start looking at. You know, I mean, we, we, you know, politicians play these games all day long and it, and it, it sounds good, it, it, but it's really not doing anything for either side. Yeah. You know, it, it, it never goes anywhere. I, I, I am, I will say though, that one thing that in the last couple of years, um, FPC has been a group that has just absolutely amazed me because they're doing most of the heavy hitting and gun rights activism, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, the other, other groups help. Gun Owners of America is a great group. NRA, I got a lot of problems with. We could go on. We could have a whole show on NRA. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I believe that FPC, with all the lawsuits they throw at these people, have really got them rattled to the point now where people are actually realizing, yeah, they can't really do this. Yeah. You know? And uh, so I give them a lot of credit for what they've done. And I don't think we would be having as many victories as as, as many victories as we have had without the help that they've done. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big deal there, too. And I think that's probably on the legal front. That's probably the direction we need to go is just keep suing the hell out of these people and until they just can't do it anymore. 
yeah. until we can get until we can get a Supreme Court ruling that says the Second Amendment is what it is and stop this crazy shit. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. No, I completely agree. And it's you know, yeah. Honestly, if you look at it, it's been generational. The dismantling of our Second Amendment rights is generational starting in the early 30s. That generation got, you know, brought in the NFA, the National Firearms Act, 1932, mm-hmm. made machine guns, you know, what they are. And then in 68, we had another revolution of things that got accepted, the 1968 Gun Control Act. And then in, again in in the 80s, when the, they passed the uh, 86, when they did the ban on machine guns. It's generational. Each generation gets accepts a little bit more until we're going to get to the point where there's going to be a generation that ain't going to have anything left. Yeah, and, and that's really what it is. It's been it's been eat the, eat the elephant one bite at a time, and that's what they've done. I've railed on this stuff for thirty years since 1989. Well, actually, it's been like more like forty years now, almost. But you know, the first Roberti Russo assault weapons ban that was my first venture into activism in this stuff because I could not believe that they had the audacity to ban that, and we actually were successful in getting David Roberti recalled and kicked out of office. But that was probably the last big gun victory that California had until FPC started suing people there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. That's why I also think it's so important to get younger generations involved and to educate them, because I think right now they're just getting brainwashed and yeah. they think well, that, you know, guns should be outlawed. I mean, it's not even like, oh, some guns like there's some organizations out there that just don't want guns whatsoever. And that's why I'm doing my best to have a lot of these conversations with younger adults and to educate them and to be really pleasant with it. I mean, there's been some people that I've gotten to arguments with online on social media, but I make sure that I'm incredibly respectful so that I don't come off as like a jerk and I'm approachable. And I'm like, let's just have a conversation about it. And a lot of them end up changing their minds because of it. And it's unfortunately just because they're getting brainwashed and they're not being told, you know, differently. Well, have you, did you follow the airsoft thing that just went, that just happened over the last couple of weeks? No, I don't think so. Well, see, airsoft is is kind of like a training ground for adult gun owners. Yeah, and it, it's it's an amazing sport. It's a lot of fun. These guys take it really seriously, and there's some kids learn some good stuff from that. Mm-hmm. And they almost made it go away. The government by changing some kind of rules. I don't remember what the. I haven't done my research on it like I should. But uh, one of the guys here in the shop is very much into the airsoft thing, and he's been t- keeping me abreast of it. But it almost airsoft almost was completely banned. And nobody even knew it was happening. Wow. Because they were doing it by regulations through agencies, just like the ATF does by changing rules. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, believe me, I could go down that road. I've had a few experiences with them myself, but uh, we don't have time for that right now. Yeah. Interesting. So if anybody wants to find out more information about the Airsoft thing, it's just something that they could Google. Yeah. Yeah. If you look it up, it's out there, but it was just like two days ago, they finally put a squelch to it, but they almost made it impossible for airsoft guns to be imported into the country and it would have completely ended the sport. Yeah. And nobody knew it was happening. I wouldn't have known about it. And I've kind of followed this stuff, but I wouldn't have known about it if Greg hadn't told me about it. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. So my mom, she owned a paintball park. My dad, he still owns it, but that was my mom's business. And occasionally we would get a lot of airsoft guys that would come in and they're like, can we just play airsoft on your field? And I was like, I don't care. (laughs) And so (laughs) I would see, you know, how competitive it got. And it was just like mind blowing. And then I was like, how do you guys even know if you get hit? Because at least with paintballs, it splatters and you can't hide it. And they're like, well, it's kind of the honor system, which I thought was kind of interesting. So hmm, interesting. Yeah. We used to use airsoft as a training tool back back when I uh, was teaching for Suarez. And uh, we'd tell people, 
you know, people would show up in the class wearing two pairs of sweatpants, two t-shirts, like take that shit off. You know, this is negative reinforcement time. Put on a tank top and shorts and let's roll. <laughs> okay. So I talked about this in other episodes, but I went to Utah for the Utah event and they did a night shoot with night vision and we had full auto like BB guns or airsoft guns. And <laughs> cool. you can see the airsoft, the little BBs like in the night. And huh? it was all fun and games. Like we're, we're driving around in a Jeep. There's people that are set up, you know, in the bushes and they start shooting at us and we can shoot back at them and it's full auto. So it's not just like, I mean, you're getting sprayed. And I ended up getting hit in the cheek with one of the BBs and like it freaking bruised the hell out of my cheek for probably at least five days. I mean, it just looked like, like what the hell happened to you? And luckily it was the last day and I was leaving the next morning. I didn't have any filming to do, but yeah, as soon as I got hit in the cheek, I was like that freaking hurt. (laughs) But uh, and they do, man. They can, and you know, some of those things they can really crank up the power on those and make them pretty. I know. Big, you know. Yeah, they also did a shoot house with those Orbeez too. I didn't do that, and I'm kind of glad I didn't do it because my friend who did it, uh, they had, I mean, just welts where it actually like broke the skin and stuff. And I'm like, these little Orbeez, these squishy things. I'm like, how the hell did they manage to do that? But it definitely teaches you, you know, some good tactics because you don't want to get hit by any means. Yeah, well, that's why we always told people wear as little clothes as possible so you know you've been hit mm-hmm, true yeah. even just wearing a t-shirt you're gonna feel it and a t-shirt would you know t-shirt and some light pants or something like that was fine because you would know you'd be hit and it wouldn't hurt you that bad but you'd know you got hit yeah and that's really the secret what what did i do wrong to get hit yeah that's, that's the lesson you're trying to take away from that yeah know? definitely caldwell Caldwell has some of the most affordable quality steel targets around, and they're expanding their line in a bunch of ways this year. One important thing they're adding is the ultimate steel target stand, which I'm really excited about because a few years ago, Caldwell sent me a bunch of steel and then I was like, cool, but what do I hang this on? And I had to get kind of creative and they sent me somebody else's stands and they really didn't work that well. They're honestly, they're garbage. But so that's why I'm like really excited about this. So the ultimate steel target stand, it's a dual purpose design that has two one by two boards for use with like cardboard silhouette targets, as well as an angled two by four for holding steel targets. The angled two by four will hold the full size IPSC targets without falling over. This one's really cool because it's a good base to hang your targets at a good price and I'd say, you know, before that, that wasn't, there wasn't really anything out there that was comparable in price. It has a steel construction with powder coat and also comes with ground stakes. Best of all, it's only $39.99, which is pretty great. But if you use the code gunfunny10, all one word, you're going to get 10% off your entire order. And that is caldwellshooting.com. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Today's Q&A is people want to know what's going on with Bank of America giving records to the FBI. I talked about this back in episode 289 when whistleblowers from the FBI first reported it to Congress that Bank of America turned over purchase information of anyone who traveled to the D.C. area around January 6th. Remember that not only did they do this without any request or warrant from the FBI, but they also data mined all those customers' purchase history and flagged anyone who had ever purchased a firearm. 
The news this week is that Congressman Thomas Macy and Jim Jordan have sent letters to all the other major banks inquiring if they have similarly violated their customers' privacy without a warrant and shared similar data with the FBI or DOJ. I guess we'll see what comes up, you know, with that. But I got to say lately, buying everything with credit card is just getting super sketchy. And that's kind of the direction that we're heading. I mean, nobody really has cash on them anymore. And if they do, maybe they have like $100 on them just in case of emergencies. But for the most part, everyone pays with credit cards. And I think if anything, it's time to start bringing back cash and paying with that so that they're not tracking your everyday expenses. Cause it's kind of scary if you think Amen. about it. Amen, Ava. Yeah. I mean, my dad, like his business, he predominantly is just like a cash business. He has a big sign. Everyone kind of knows like, Hey, if you're going there, bring cash. And so I don't know, maybe, cause I know you're like, well, how do we bring back cash since everyone's stuck on credit card? But I feel like if you just start kind of making it known or, you know, even pay with like a money order. Let's say somebody was to buy a gun from you and they sent you a money order instead of, because you're not going to send cash in the mail. That would be a really, you know, easy way to kind of skip that, you know, that paper trail. So yeah. I don't know. It just makes it more complicated, but they'll, they'll track it anyhow somehow. I mean, they got that 600, anything over $600, you know, you pull out of your bank account. Now you got to report to the, to, mm-hmm. to the IRS. Yeah. And, uh, it's they're you're definitely going they're definitely trying to move to a cashless society and just think of the control they have over you if they can do that i know well look back to like uh during you know 2020 during covid how they were Mm -hmm. saying that like there was a coin shortage like what the hell there's a coin shortage suddenly like uh i i mean if nothing else 2020 was very eye-opening for me because i'm like you like to give people the benefit of the doubt and think that people aren't that dumb or that like, no, they're not going to ban guns because, you know, there's going to be enough people that are going to stick up against it. But if nothing else, like the mask mandate was a pretty eye opening where you're like, the general public's not going to accept that. It's going to be pretty eye opening. They're not going to, you know, they're going to see the reality of it and they're going to put their foot down. Uh, absolutely not. There was people that were just, they were all sheep and they were just all just complying because they didn't yep. want to put up a fight or even if they thought it was done, they were just like, well, it's better to comply than fight. And just things yeah. that were coming in conditions. Yeah. And just things that were coming out like that. I'm like, is nobody like calling bullshit on this? Like, how do we suddenly we've been using coins our entire life and now suddenly there's a coin shortage. Like, yeah, I don't know. I think, and if nothing else, I mean, yeah, pull out money, you know, here and there. If you have cash, you want to pay for something that you have to send, you know, instead of sending a check or something like that. If you go to enough stores, like enough gas stations that have money orders, you know, pull out a little bit here and there so that's not flagged. I mean, there's ways of doing it. It's a pain in the ass, but there is ways of doing it. And I would say put money in the bank too, buy gold or silver with it. Yeah, definitely. I know. I know, especially, I mean, especially now because cash isn't backed up by anything. So I've been trying to make investments where I'm buying tangible stuff because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, all of this could disappear and then what do I have to show for it? That's like one of the biggest reasons why I bought my house. Right. But yeah. again, if it's all on paper, yeah. how easy for them to change all that? I mean, I, I know. look at all these life lock things that you got to sign up for now to keep people from stealing your house online. I know. Yeah. That's true. That's it's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's 
it's a scary time, you know, especially with AI and all that stuff around the thing. I mean, that's almost too much for my old ass to comprehend. Right? I mean, even for me to comprehend and we're like, you know, <laughs> like I'm a lot younger <laughs> and even yeah. I'm just like, wow, like how is this? I mean, it's going to change our lives like the way and I mean, people should be scared about it. It's going to yeah. take away so many jobs and it's just... I don't know. It's crazy. I mean, it's it's beneficial to a degree, and then it comes with a lot of cons as well. It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Yeah, I mean, in my time, I've seen a lot of things that have eliminated careers and started new ones. You know? Yeah, and it's all that progress, and it's true. You know, I mean, the internet particularly. And you know, I often think back to you know, I remember uh, my grandmother was born in 1895. Okay, and I remember in the 60s as a kid. We were watching the moon landing on TV. It was a live event. Everybody, the whole nation was watching the moon landing on TV. That's when we were a united country back then, you know. And uh, my grandmother was sitting there and she said out of the moon, she, you know, she says, you know, Jimmy, I remember when the first planes flew and now I see people on the moon. And she goes, you know what? I think I've been alive too long. I've seen too much. <laughs> You know, and I, that always stuck. And now that I'm in, now that I'm in my senior years, I get that. Yeah, I get what she's saying because when I look back and I look how much things have changed in my in my six decades, it's changed a lot, and it's really good, but it's also kind of depressing. I know and there's a lot of things we have these days, but all the things that came with it were they really that good? Was it really worth it? Yeah, I mean, we can discuss that stuff for days, but I know. Well, I even I even think about like how my generation, we were probably the last generation that actually played outside. Exactly. You were. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then that's when cell phones became a thing. I mean, there was some video games that were out, but people didn't really stay home and play video games that much. Like we still we had an imagination. We built forts outside. We, you know, played in the dirt. And I remember my sister and I like we'd go out in the field and we'd catch freaking horn we'd call them horny toads i guess they're called horn toads um yeah. you know tadpoles i mean like getting dirty and stuff and it's like now you never see kids do that no it's no, you know and, and they all have cell phones at like the age of five and it's just weird like even that i've already seen so much happen so much change just in the 36 years that i've been alive so i can only imagine yeah it it, it and you know it's it just keeps going yeah you know? so it's like, uh yeah you know I, you know everybody says well i want to be immortal i don't think people could handle it psychologically i don't yeah. think you could handle being immortal because you would think of all the people you would lose in your life you yeah know? that's true I mean, yeah we go through life as it is and we lose our seniors we lose our friends for whatever reason accidents whatever but if you are immortal how many times are you going to have to relive that loss mm -hmm. you know yeah uh, absolutely would you become callous? Would you not care anymore? I mean, I think yeah. you would almost have to. Yeah. Just, you yeah. know, out of survival. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, uh, you know, we could, we could, I don't know, we could go on for ages talking about how to fix the world, but um, something's going to have to happen pretty soon because the way it's going right now, I don't know. I know. We could, I... We could Chinese or Russian pretty soon. I don't know. Mm -hmm. you know more like Chinese. Yeah. But, uh, Absolutely. I know. I'll be dead by then because I won't live through it. <laughs> I'll, I won't. I, I will die. I will die before I will live on my knees, period. That's yeah. just it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know. Same. All right. IWI.
I have to ask, do you have any experience with the Galil Ace? I've shot a couple of them. They're pretty nice little guns. I think so. Honestly, it's I've concluded because everybody always asked me, like, what's your favorite gun? And I hate when they ask me that because I'm like, man, you're asking me to choose like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm like, well, what what's the circumstances? What are we doing? You know, and I just look at all my guns and they all just kind of play like a special, you know, they have like a special place in my heart. But I just really love Michael Leal. Like, it's just the way it looks, the way it functions, like it's freaking sexy. It operates really nice. And then I upgraded some of the parts on it. Like I put some wooden furniture to kind of bring out sort of that AK look. Mm -hmm. I have the Gen 2 version and it's chambered in 762 by 39, but you can also get it in 556 or 545 by 39 and then also 762 NATO. And so I have some wood furniture that I got from LevTech Manufacturing. He makes some really good like wood pieces and stuff to put on all kinds of parts. I mean, even like your AR and stuff. And then I also have a stock and a muzzle device from JMAC Customs. And it's just a very sexy looking gun, but it also just operates really well. It's like a refined AK in my opinion. Um, yeah, the, the factory AKs, you know, there's, we don't have a whole lot of choice in factory AKs anymore. And I mean, even though a lot of people would argue that the Galil is not really a true AK and I get that to a certain point. It works the same way, but you know the parts aren't interchangeable. Whatever, I'm not going to go down that road. But it is a good gun, and when you can get a factory gun these days that's decent mm-hmm. at the price point that they're doing it at, that's not a bad thing. And that's one of the reasons, like I said earlier, why the why the industry is growing so much because we did have a lot of people that stepped up, started making their own parts here. While they may not be as the original spec was, they're still doing it, and they're doing stuff for the mid tier market that's just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So So if you guys want to check it out, head on over to IWI.us. Don't forget to use the code gunfunny15, all one word. You'll get 15% off anything in their web store. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Today in Tacti Talk, EAA gets tippy. European American Armory has introduced a new pistol for the personal defense market that's a bit different from what you're used to, but also remarkably familiar. The new EAA Garrison MC14T is a compact 380 ACP with a tip-up barrel, and it's very similar to the classic 1970s Beretta Cheetah series. I read this and I was like, what are they even talking about? And I clicked on it. I don't know if you clicked on this link to see it, but it's kind of weird. It's almost like a break action to a degree. Like when I say that the barrel tips, it breaks like it goes up. So it's literally it's almost like a break action pistol. And I have to believe that they did this so that users can load and unload the pistol's chamber directly without having to rack the slide. It's kind of, you know, a nice solution if you lack hand strength. The MC-14T, it's a little bit longer than the old Cheetah, but otherwise is basically a clone with one exception. It includes a Picatinny rail. It uses the same mags as the old Cheetah, and it looks like some other parts could be compatible as well. Size-wise, I would say it's close to a SIG P365XL. Mag capacity is 14 rounds, which puts it up against similar modern micros. The trigger, as you'd expect, with a single slash double action pistol, so it has that long take up in double action mode, but then it's reportedly very short reset in single action. 
They have basic three dot sights with the rear sights being drift or adjustable. MSRP is four ninety eight with variants available in black, black and gray, dark earth, black and gold, and then all gold. Which I'm like, cool, sign me up. I want the all gold one. <laughs> but yeah, mm-hmm. kind of interesting. I mean, it's cool just to see different things, but I wasn't even aware that the cheetah existed. Do you remember the cheetah at all, like in the 1970s? Yeah, I think we had one at one time. And it, 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 a neat little gun. Uh, you know, I don't, uh, I, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of partial. I've had, I've had two, I've got two Gen 2 Glock 19s I've had since 1990. Wow. And uh, so those are, so I'm kind of like, I have a real tunnel vision when it comes to pistols. I don't look at a whole lot of other stuff anymore because these are the only guns I've used and probably the only guns I will ever use. You know? Wow. So you're like stuck in your old ways. You know it, you can I use am. it well. And you're am. like, nope, and nothing else. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, my wife went to a Glock 43 with a red dot on it, but I haven't, I haven't made that change yet. I can still work with my pistol just fine. And you look at the red dot and you're like, what the hell is that? <laughs> oh, it's, it's totally different. Totally different. You know, oh, man. Yeah. yeah it's mean, crazy too. I run on my rifles, obviously, but on yeah. a pistol, it's, it's, it's very foreign for me. Yeah. You know? I know. I remember the first couple of times that I used a red dot and I was like, I don't know, this is so weird. And now it's like, it just makes so much more sense, you know, but at first it does take like, there's a learning curve because it takes some time before you lift it up and you could automatically locate that red dot. Like for the longest time, I was like, I don't know, the red dot just disappears on me. You know, I have my natural point of aim, line it up and it's like, where the hell's the red dot? And so yeah, you got years of muscle memory that you got to change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's really what it is. You I know? know. Yeah. But now it just, it makes it so much easier and, and you can shoot faster and be on target. So I'm a fan, yeah. but it is, again, it's just how things change, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Evolution, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Last ad read. So Franklin Armory. Actually, I'm really glad that you're here. I wanted to talk to you about this. So mm-hmm. uh, binary triggers. I don't know if you have any experience with binary triggers. I think it's a ton um, of fun. Absolutely. Absolutely none, to be honest with you, Ava. Really? Okay. So, so much fun. It's like the closest to shooting sort of like a full auto without having to pay all this money and get the tax stamp. But when you pull the trigger, it fires around. When you release the trigger, it fires another round. Once you get the cadence down, you can fire this gun like really well, like in almost like it looks like you're shooting full auto and it's just fun. But I did put one in my AK, which is a like old Kalashnikov and Mm -hmm. the barrel on it. It doesn't have a muzzle device. So it's just a barrel with one of those little like triangle things at the top. I don't know what that's called. Yeah. Yep. So stupid me. I'm like, I don't know, little triangle thing, whatever. Um, (laughs) I got you. I got you. (laughs) But uh, I have to say it was not very pleasant because it felt like I was driving down a bumpy road in a very old truck (laughs) because there's no muzzle device on it. And it just it was like, you know, and so I wanted to ask you. So I was thinking, okay, I need to put a muzzle brake on it. But I realized pretty quickly, there's not a lot of people out there that will even thread a barrel. And is that because they have to put it like in some sort of vice and then thread the barrel so that there's no like any errors? Like, I don't completely understand it. It it depends on if you're trying to run a suppressor on the gun. If you're running a suppressor on the gun, then it should be lathe threaded. 
and with an AK, that that involves removing the barrel and putting it in a lathe, which is a fair amount of work, uh, which the average person is probably not going to be able to do. It's not like an AR where you can unbolt a few things, take a few things apart and change your barrel. It's not like that at all. It's not a modular gun. Mm-hmm. It's pressed in with, with pressure and it's pinned with pressure. And you got to overcome that pressure to get the barrel out and then put it in a lathe and fix it. You know, and as I, we were talking about that earlier, you know, the, the AK comes threaded in 14-1 yeah. left-handed. And that's kind of always been the standard threading for the AK. So a lot of companies will put out their suppressor devices to screw onto that. But a lot of a lot of these guns are not concentric, so you've got issues there. And uh, I mean, all of our guns when we're doing a gun that's for a suppressor, we thread them half twenty eight, and we lay thread the barrels. So that way, we know we're not going to have an issue with them. So interesting. uh, just something you got to be careful with with the AK. Yeah, and then if I wasn't going to suppress it, then it wouldn't have to be lathed. No, no, you could put pretty much anything on there you want. It, would, it wouldn't be an issue there. And even if you did, it, it only depends on if your bore, you know, you got to look at your bore and see if it's off center or not. Because mm-hmm. the way hammer forged barrels are made, they can be a little bit off center. And that's kind of the issue there. But if you lay thread them, you can fix that. So mm-hmm. that's really how that's how you look at it. If you're going to run a can, it should be lay threaded. Yeah. If you're not, probably doesn't matter. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, good to know. Yeah. So if you guys want to check out, you know, get a binary trigger, they make them for all kinds of guns, including AKs. I think the AK binary trigger right now is on sale for $449.99. But remember, if you use the code AVA, that's A-V-A, you're going to get 10% off your entire order. And that is franklinarmory.com. And now for reviews. So we do have reviews, thankfully. First review is NPiano209 titled Honest and Informative Podcast, five stars. Ava does great. I love that she brings on different guests each week that are in the industry that share what they are doing or developing for gun owners across this great nation. I have discovered many great companies because of this podcast, all of which have developed very unique and intuitive products. And it's great hearing from the owners of these companies. I also like that she includes a political section that keeps everyone informed with what is happening in our nation and provides us with information to help combat infringements on our rights as Americans. Ava, keep up the great work. Peaches, keep on keeping on with being a fur missile. <laughs> Peaches <laughs> is my dog. And then Dave the Hunter, episode 300, amazing. Congratulations, five stars. This is the best, always informative and insightful. 300 episodes of a weekly podcast is no small feat. Julie, as a guest for this episode, was great. Keep up the great work and thanks. All right. So, Jim, I want you to pick either the first or the second review. Who should win that prize pack? Oh, God, they were both pretty good. Man, I I don't know. The first one I thought was, I think I would give the edge to the first one from, from my point of view. Okay. So but they're both excellent. Yeah. NPiano209, contact me. Just go to gunfunny.com, click on the contact us form, and send me a good mailing address. And now it's time to wrap up. If you guys enjoy the show and you want to support the show, consider becoming a Patreon. You can do so by going to patreon.com and searching for Gunfunny or go to the Gunfunny website, which is gunfunny.com. Click on the support the show link and make a donation there. Blown Deadline, he's giving away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky Patreon each month. For any $5 and up Patreons, after being a Patreon for three months, you'll get a Patreon-only patch that will never be for sale. Also wanted to thank the $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Sake Holsters, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, 
Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith, and Melissa Ridings. And then, of course, king of the Patreon is Jon Snow. Jim, thank you so much for your time. I'm so glad that I finally got you on the podcast. It's so great hearing from you and just hearing how the, you know, the industry has evolved. And it's also just a pleasure to talk to you about, you know, AKs. And I feel like I'm like talking to, I don't know, just like, it's amazing to talk to you when you were like the first like AK guy. Like, it's just, it's such an honor. So thank you so much for making time to come on the show. Oh, you're very kind, Ava. Thank you very, very much for having me on. I appreciate it. And you do a nice, well-rounded show. I enjoy this. Um, Thank you. Anytime you want to do it, give me a yell. Okay, yeah. cool. And then also, can you just remind listeners once again, where can they find you? What's your website, your social media handles, all of that good stuff? On Instagram, Fuller Phoenix. I'm Fuller AK, my personal page. Our website is fullerphx.com. Fuller Phoenix was already taken, so we had to do a PHX. So make sure you get that PHX.com. Okay. And uh, there you go. All right. Perfect. All right. Well, great. So, guys, I will talk to you next week. And Jim, stay on the line. I need to talk to you about my foundation. I'm not letting you go just yet. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> but I will see you guys next week. <laughs> Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.